Reading this morning is taken from Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 to 24. That's page 1047 on the Church Bibles. Luke, chapter 14, beginning at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked up the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you have a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all, alike, began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I have just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited We'll get a taste of my banquet. Thank you very much, Nigel. Um, we're, we're working our way through um, four looks at um, Christian stewardship, how we uh, take and uh, make good use of uh, the things that uh, God uh, grants to us. Um, and at the very beginning, we thought about our, our gifts and abilities. Um, uh, then last week we were thinking about our, our time, uh, all the hours uh, that God entrusts to us uh, in life. Next week we'll be thinking about money and possessions. Um, and then uh, today uh, we're thinking about uh, our home and our relationships. In other words, we're, we're kind of thinking in the territory of, uh, of Christian hospitality. And you might be thinking, oh, this feels like the sort of the weak link of the, of the four, really. Um, you know, we're going to hear a sort of little bit of advice about chili con carne recipes 
and um, you know, had a host a nice dinner party. Um, you know, a bit thin, isn't it? As I've been thinking about this theme of Christian hospitality, it, it struck me that um, in all sorts of ways, actually, what God calls us to in terms of hospitality and how that reflects what God has done in the gospel could not be more central to our understanding of the Christian faith. Uh, you, you could argue, in fact, um, that the, the theme of, the, the very idea of kind of eating a meal in the presence of the Lord um, is, a, is a theme that arches all the way through Scripture and indeed is, is almost the very goal and culmination uh, of all that God is about. Um, j- just think for a moment uh, about how often this idea of a, of a meal um, acts both either as a, as a symbol or a, or a picture for us or a, or a real event um, in uh, the sweep of the Bible. You, you, could, you could begin back in Genesis chapter 18. If you, if you know that bit of the Bible, maybe you remember Abraham uh, and his wife Sarah host three visitors. Do you remember that? Uh, and how it turns out that these aren't just any old visitors, but they are indeed an, an angelic uh, visitation. Um, and probably uh, that idea and that experience is what's picked up uh, when we get to Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Um, and uh, the writer there instructs us to, to be hospitable, for in so doing some have entertained angels unawares. Uh, and then press a little bit further in the Bible, and you, you begin to see that uh, the priests and the people uh, gathering uh, in the presence of the Lord, uh, whether that's in the tabernacle or in the temple, uh, gathering in the presence of the Lord to share a feast together. Well, that's a sort of a central repeated feature uh, of uh, the Old Testament uh, people of God. Press on still further and you arrive in the prophets who begin to anticipate um, an end-of-time event, uh, something that begins to be get to get called the Messianic Banquet. Um, and we saw one of the best examples of that um, in those opening verses that we looked at from Isaiah 25. Uh, you catch those words. They're there at the top of the service sheet. You know, uh, it's a feast that God is preparing for his people. That, that's the, the imagery that he wants to use uh, to capture it. Um, a feast of rich food for all peoples, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Uh, and then push into the New Testament, um, and Jesus um, is all about feasts and banquets, isn't he? Um, what does he get criticized for? For eating with tax collectors and sinners. Well, what are so many of his parables based around? Uh, the idea of a meal uh, or a feast to which people are invited. Uh, what does he institute as the means by which he is to be remembered? A meal, the Lord's Supper. Uh, what does he do post-resurrection? As he meets the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he sits down, uh, breaks bread with them uh, at a meal. You could almost say that, that this imagery, this picture of being in God's presence uh, and enjoying uh, food and drink with him, sharing a banquet in his presence, um, is the very thing to which God is taking us, this heavenly banquet 
that God has in store uh, for his people. And, and to some extent, that also kind of makes sense of the very strong feelings that we have about home, doesn't it? Um, home matters to us hugely. Um, it's uh, the place of safety, the place we go when um, we're feeling kind of, you know, unnerved or unsettled. You know, I just want to get home. Um, it's um, uh, the place that uh, we rest and recharge our batteries um, and get rejuvenated uh, in order to be able to face the world again. Um, and that kind of makes sense, that experience of home really mattering to us, really feeling like uh, the place that I, that, that I so look forward to being, if indeed God is taking us to his heavenly home to enjoy feast uh, with him in his presence. But it also points us to the idea that God doesn't intend us to do home um, alone, um, if I can put it like that. Um, just as he has welcomed us, so his intention is that we should welcome others. And so I want to explore this idea of hospitality um, by looking at the passage that um, Nigel read for us a moment ago um, under three headings. There are three kind of scenes, and I think each of them uh, has something to say to us. Um, I I want to begin by thinking about the the principle or, or the attitude that sits behind Uh, Christian hospitality, and then then the practice of Christian hospitality, and then the power uh, to do Christian hospitality. Um, So begin with the first of those, Uh, uh, verse 7, the principle or the attitude behind Christian hospitality. Um, You get the idea. Jesus is is himself at a dinner party, and he sees the way in which people are arriving and sitting down. Um, I guess it's a sort of posh meal. I guess it's a bit like um, the closest thing might be some, uh, like a wedding reception for us. Only here's a wedding reception with no seating plan. So as people arrive, there's a sort of a bit of uh, of an unseemly scramble for seats. And everybody knows that at a wedding reception, um, all the, the, the sort of the poshest people, all of the, the sort of the, the most privileged seats are up there on top table. Um, and so here are people scrambling to get one of those seats near the host um, where they are in prime position. Um, and Jesus says, oh, do you know, be careful with that. Because you know what might happen, mind you? You might have claimed one of those seats right up on top table. Um, and the meal's just about to begin. And then some really important person arrives. Uh, and the host, seeing this really important person, they think, well, they've got to be on top table. And so he may come to you and say, I'm sorry, uh, you're going to have to move. And you get up and you look around and everybody's looking at you now. It's very awkward. And you gaze around the room trying to see that the, 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 there is an empty seat anywhere. And there it is, back corner, um, uh, just next to the gents. And that's the only seat. And so you have to walk all the way from the front to the back. Kind of walk of shame as you pass everybody else. And everyone knows you've been demoted. No, no, Jesus, that says that would be a big mistake. Much better, he says, arrive at the meal. Take the seat by the gents at the back. And then when the host arrives and he sees you sitting there and he'll say, oh, for goodness sake, what are you doing there? You shouldn't be there. Come up, come up, come sit near the front. And then it's the walk of honor instead of the walk of shame. Now, you can see that in, in a sense, Jesus is just playing with them, isn't he? It's, it's just a little bit of sort of practical advice. But sat behind the practical advice 
is a very important spiritual principle. This is, this is much more than, you know, how to, how to do well at dinner parties where there isn't a seating plan. And the principle is caught there in that phrase that Jesus uses so many times in verse 11. Uh, those who exalt themselves uh, will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. And, and that spiritual principle uh, underlies so much of the Christian life. It tells us the way that God works. That if we are somebody who thinks highly of ourselves, watch out. Uh, for you may find that your God humbles you. But if you're somebody who has learned to think little of yourself, then you are the person who is likely to be in receipt of God's blessing. That's the way that it works spiritually. And can you see that that also um, is an attitude that will underpin hospitality? Because it makes the difference between me, as it were, doing hospitality for me and me doing hospitality for you. See, if I'm concerned about, about my status... Uh, my, uh, my standing, about being with the in crowd, um, about sort of getting ahead socially. If all of those things matter to me, then I will do my hospitality in such a way that it's to my advantage. I'll invite the people who give me a lovely circle of friends, who get me into that social grouping, who advance my career. I'm doing hospitality, but I'm doing it for me. But the humble person, and humility could be defined, couldn't it, of thinking of other people of being of more value than yourself. Well, the humble person, therefore, is going to do hospitality thinking of you. Thinking, how can I be a blessing to another person who I prize more even than my own convenience, uh, my own ease? Jesus says, don't do your inviting with an eye on what's best for you. Do your inviting with an eye on what will bless another person. That's the principle. Be humble. So if that's the principle, what does this mean in practice? Well, pick it up in verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." See, see, we imagined uh, that Christian hospitality is about dinner parties, uh, about serving our best chili con carne. And instead, Jesus shows us that what he has in mind stretches far, far beyond that. Uh, to help us, we need to grasp um, the place that hospitality had in the first century, um, which was much more radical 
uh, than what we think of. We, you know, we think of just sort of, yeah, just entertaining. Uh, hospitality in the first century was, was much more basic. Um, uh, travel was a dangerous thing. Uh, people didn't, you know, travel a great deal. And if they did, there was no sort of travel lodge or premier inn uh, in the town that they were heading towards. Often there would be no provision of anywhere to stay on their journey. Uh, and so typical in the first century would be uh, the need to depend upon the hospitality of people in a town. Uh, maybe you'd bring a letter with you uh, from, uh, from some important person uh, to, 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 to vouch for you. And then you might arrive in the, the city gate or in the town square um, and uh, people would recognize you as a stranger and it would be an expectation upon them to see if you needed somewhere to stay. And then it would be your responsibility not to stay very long. A kind of sort of accepted etiquette and rules. Um, the, the very language and, and the word that is used for hospitality captures that. Um, you know the city Philadelphia? Um, on the east coast of America. Well, um, the, the, the word literally means uh, love of brother or love of brothers, um, Philadelphia. Um, but the, the word for hospitality, uh, philoxenia, uh, means love of stranger. Xenia, uh, the stranger, where we get um, the word like xenophobia from. So, so here's a word that captures the idea that hospitality means the love of a stranger. Jesus pushes them to see that it's not loving your friends, but loving the outcast, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. It's radical, isn't it, uh, what Jesus uh, is pressing upon his hearers. This isn't the sort of hospitality that opens my home to, to friends, or at least to friends of friends. Here is a hospitality that opens home uh, to people who are strangers to me. In other words, people who are not like me. I guess it could get expressed in all sorts of ways. Let, let, me, let me suggest some that have occurred to me as I've been thinking about this. Um, it, it certainly would work, um, the business of welcoming strangers uh, would work here at church, wouldn't it? We could start there, at least. Um, I'd be surprised if gazing around you, there aren't some people nearby you think are pretty strange. Um, I mean, that, that would be typical, wouldn't it? At least you think, well, they're, 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 they're different to me. You know, I like sport, and they don't at all. Um, I'm, I'm sort of into academia, and, and they're not. I'm old, and they're young. I come from this kind of cultural background, and they don't. There's all sorts of ways in which you, know, you gaze around church and you realize that there are people here who are very different uh, to me. Well, hospitality would push past those barriers. It, would, it wouldn't be, you know, I think I'll get some people together from church. Um, who, who are the people most like me? Who are the people that I think I'll click with? It would mean deciding an invitation list that was rather different. Um, or... Uh, take another moment in church life. What about the moment that we've just had? When uh, David said the children young people are going to head downstairs, you might want to chat to someone nearby. 
how seriously do you take that moment? Yeah, just a bit of chat. Or if I'm not feeling like a chat, I'll just sit and look at my phone. Or, or do you see it as a key moment of a Sunday? When I have the opportunity to make somebody feel welcome, who might feel very much a stranger uh, in our midst this morning. I was chatting to somebody recently um, who, uh, after a long period of not going to church, um, decades, um, had begun to get interested in Christian things. Um, and I'd recommended to them, uh, they live abroad, I'd recommended to them two, two churches. One I had, had recommended to me and I had confidence on. The other one uh, I wasn't so sure about. Anyway, it turned out the other one that I wasn't so sure about uh, was the one that was closest to him. So that's where he went. Uh, first time he'd gone to church for decades. Uh, there are only about 70 people there, um, small gathering uh, in uh, the city where he lives. Nobody said a word to him through the entire time. He arrived early like people do uh, when they're new to a church. Uh, nobody welcomed him. Nobody chatted to him. End of the service came. Nobody came over to him. You stayed for a bit, but you don't stay long, do you, when it feels awkward like that? And then he wandered off. No surprise, he's never been back to church again since. You reckon that happens here? I reckon that happens here. I'm sure to our shame there will be Sundays where somebody arrives just like that. First time they've been back to church for decades and they sit on their own and nobody goes over to them and they wait a little bit at the end of the service and no one goes to speak to them. It's not a trivial thing, is it? Just that little chat or the time afterwards over coffee. Uh, make all the difference, couldn't it, between somebody feeling uh, a welcome uh, and somebody feeling as if, yeah, I am a stranger here. Uh, or how about offering hospitality to neighbours, um, uh, just the people close to us where we live? Um, it may be the only thing that we think we have in common with them is they live in the same street as me. Um, but, but how about that expression of Christian hospitality, that I take the initiative uh, to uh, invite people into my space, into my home. Or, or at school. Um, m- maybe at school you are aware that um, there are certain people who don't get a lot of attention from anybody else. Uh, they're not the cool kids. Uh, everybody sees them as a bit awkward, a bit on the edge of things. Might it not, as um, a young Christian disciple, uh, be your determination to act differently? Uh, to reach out to the person who doesn't feel uh, as though anybody's really interested in them. Or, or internationals. Next few, I don't know when it starts, maybe this coming week, um, there'll be um, the annual uh, international student welcome uh, up at the train station. A uh, team of people who will um, be on a stall there, uh, on the lookout for people arriving with very large suitcases. Maybe limited English, perhaps the first time they've been uh, out of their home country, uh, first time arriving in Cambridge, slightly bewildered, uh, slightly ill at ease, um, and will be enormously blessed uh, by a friendly smiling face uh, who comes over and gives them some information, uh, gives them a welcome, invites them uh, to an event later in the day uh, where they'll be supported. 
Is that a good thing to do? Good thing to be involved in? My guess is there'll probably be shorter volunteers this year like most years. Or, or how about press on still further? What, what about those who express their hospitality through fostering and adoption? Now, there's, there's another way of opening your home, isn't there? The decision to, to welcome into my home somebody who, a child, who for whatever reason uh, has been uh, lacking a home of their own for months, years, all of their lives. And the decision to do the costly thing uh, of receiving a child uh, in that way to foster or adopt. You think the same about refugees. should be Christians, really, shouldn't it? That should be at the forefront of the response to refugees uh, arriving in a nation. Uh, in imitation uh, of the way that we have been received ourselves, caring for aliens in a strange land. Do, do you see the sweep of this? It isn't just about entertaining uh, around a dinner table. Uh, it extends far more widely. It's radical hospitality that Jesus is pressing upon us uh, when he tells us uh, to love the stranger in our midst. So what will persuade us? What will motivate us uh, to open our homes um, in this kind of way? Uh, come to the third heading then. Uh, we've seen something of the, the, the principle or the attitude behind Christian hospitality. Uh, we thought about its practice, uh, what it might look like, um, but why would you do it? Um, and what would be the power to persuade us to do it? Well, that emerges from uh, this famous parable, uh, sometimes known as the parable of the great banquet. Uh, it starts there in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited We'll get a taste of my banquet. And someone at the dinner party um, kind of overhears Jesus talking about the resurrection of the righteous and, uh, and so uh, says, blessed are those who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I think it's a kind of, sort of, a, a, kind of a pious um, sort of space filler type remark. Um, the, the sort of thing that preachers say um, sounds good but doesn't mean very much. Um, well, Jesus immediately latches into that. Uh, doesn't let him get away with that sort of, you know, oh, blessed, yes, blessed, blessed, blessed are those who are in the kingdom of God. Um, by telling this parable, uh, and it, it's a parable, I mean, that we could happily spend an hour on, um, but don't worry, we won't. 
let me try and cut to the chase. Jesus is telling us that the only people who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God are those who never expected to be there. The only people who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God are those who never expected to be there. You remember um, those famous Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount? Um, Remember the first of those, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, Well, I heard one preacher say that it seems to him that this parable um, is almost like Luke's version of that same idea. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because that is what we see here, isn't it? Those who eat at the feast are the poor. Those who are poor materially, poor physically, poor socially, and above all else, poor spiritually. See, it's the poor in spirit who get in. It's the middle class in spirit who don't. Isn't that what Jesus is showing us? Because I think the middle class in spirit uh, is, is the kind of person who tends to say, um, uh, I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but I know I'm not awful either. I, I'm not the best I could be, but I'm not down the bottom either. I'm just kind of middle class in spirit. And I think the middle class in spirit are the people um, who look at this invitation Jesus offers and says, well, this looks interesting. I wonder whether this might be something that would improve my life. I wonder whether I'd find this a valuable, interesting banquet to go to. Hmm, I'll consider it. Maybe you could give me a bit more information about it. But when the moment comes... The middle class in spirit might well find themselves saying, look, I'm terribly busy at the moment. Yeah, the family's demanding. The job's just in a very stressful time. Just, just got this new relationship underway. I, I can't quite fit it in just now. Because the middle class in spirit has no sense that they are spiritually starving to death and would do anything to be a part of that banquet. spiritually poor in spirit couldn't be more different, could they? They're the people who need to be compelled to come in. Why? Not because they're busy. Not because they don't think it would be a lovely thing to be part of the banquet. No, I guess probably the reason that the servant needed to compel them to come in is because they probably thought he was taking the mick. They probably thought, no, you can't be serious. He couldn't be inviting me. Not, not, not to a feast in his home. Uh, you're, you're having me on, aren't you? No, no, no. He really wants you there. He really does. He means it. Come. Come, you'll see. And then sat in the banquet, gazing round at the food, 
gazing around at the lavish fare that you've been given. The spiritually poor will be pinching themselves, thinking, I don't believe this. It's possible that I'm here, that I've got all this. How could it be somebody like me in a place like this, enjoying a provision like this? You can see the question, can't you? Which are we, you and I? With the spiritually middle class? Or are we the spiritually poor in spirit? How astonished are you by the gospel? Do you find it stunning that God should treat you like this? That God should welcome you into his home, that he should prepare a banquet for you and invite you to feast with him? So that you sit there thinking to yourself, how could it be that God should treat somebody like me in this kind of way? The Christian person is the person who has received a divine hospitality that takes your breath away. The Christian person is the person who has met a host in Jesus who takes their breath away. Just think of the kind of host that Jesus is. He receives us into his very presence, even though he is so exalted. And he receives us not as a distant dignitary. Oh, look, look, you know, I can just about see Jesus uh, somewhere over there you know, in the distance. No, this host, Jesus, washes our feet. He supplies us with white garments fit for such a banquet. Because we haven't got the clothes to wear to be in a place like that. And in doing these things, he's not... He's not only providing for us, he is also providing us uh, with a shape for the hospitality that we should offer to others. Uh, Jesus has provided us with the, the picture of humility, hasn't he? He left the highest place, left the throne room of God to, to become a servant, take on human form and even go to a cross. Now, Jesus has humbled himself. So when he asks us to, to be humble, he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. And if hospitality is about welcoming the stranger, well, Jesus has done that too. You and I were strangers and aliens to God. His enemies, excluded from his presence by our rebellious attitude against him. And it's us that he's welcomed in. And his hospitality is pretty costly, isn't it? You think some of my examples from earlier on, well, they sound like pretty costly things to do. Well, it's as nothing compared to the cost that Jesus has paid uh, to receive you and I. It cost him more than we could ever imagine. That this Jesus is excluded, forsaken, alienated, in order that we could be included, received, welcomed. He's put out so that we can come in. The greatest cost is paid. 
And in so doing, he sets us a pattern that we should live in imitation of. A pattern of welcome uh, that surpasses any other offer of hospitality you and I will ever receive. And he calls us to imitate him. Let me lead us uh, in a prayer before I hand back to David. Uh, Lord God, whether, um, whether it is from familiarity um, or whether it is from um, a stubborn spiritual arrogance, um, whatever the cause, uh, we know uh, how uh, we do come uh, to a place where we begin to, uh, uh, to think little uh, of the extraordinary blessings uh, of the gospel. Um, to, to, to fail to be astounded uh, at the welcome that we have received from you. Uh, Father, would you, would you help us to see all that Christ has done for us, uh, see uh, the great cost uh, of our salvation, uh, just how much Christ paid um, in order to, to, to welcome us in. Uh, and... Uh, seeing and knowing and understanding that for ourselves, uh, how we have been um, uh, received by you, uh, would be the, the driving force and the pattern uh, for our, uh, our offer of hospitality to others uh, in all of the different ways in which we might express it. Uh, please help us uh, to do that as individuals. Please help us to do that as a church together. Uh, please would we help us to do it uh, to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.